0: Hello, Happy New Year. I'm Sumit Bowes and this is the Net Hero Podcast. Thank you very much for supporting us uh, over the last few months and I hope that you'll continue to do so this year. Hope you're all well and had an Omicron free Christmas and have got good plans for the new year and what a new year we are expecting. 21 was a tough year. 21 was a year where we had gloomy reports from the uh, IPCC about what was happening regarding climate change. We had lots of natural disasters, weather effects, weather events, whether that be droughts, whether that be flooding. We had COP. We had company after company promoting itself and saying that they were going to go carbon neutral and setting their targets. We had the government putting out lots of strategies. I think 22 is going to be a year where you have to do, yeah, you can't say anymore you've got to do everyone has agreed that by 2030 we need to do much of the heavy lifting so that means we've got eight years we've got to get on with it so this year i'm hoping to see things happen but it all takes place in a background that's tricky particularly for the uk government a background of rising energy prices many people questioning whether net zero is fundamentally worth it in terms of how much it costs us right now are other countries going to take part and do what they've said or are we just floating in the wind, you know, the net zero wind and we're just blowing away? My personal view is whatever happens, we've got to carry on. You know, we, we have got to go down this pathway. And there's been a film on Netflix, which many of you may have seen called Don't Look Up. And it's uh, kind of a, a pastiche uh, black comedy, but it's a theme really. It's it's a, it's a movie with um, Leo DiCaprio and it's all about kind of a meteorite comet coming down to smash the earth and people not taking any notice of it. So we sort of sleepwalk into disaster. But really, it's all about climate change. So they've admitted that it's about that. Now, it's a bit heavy handed. It's a bit sort of clumsy. But I think the messaging is is quite important because if we don't act, we just keep putting things back. And there are many things around the costs of net zero that we've known. But the real truth is we could afford this globally. We can afford to do this and we can make sure that we do this for the sake of our futures and our children's futures. Question is whether we'll do that this year, whether we'll actually say, let's give the money we promised at COP, let's start doing things and whether governments can hold out. Because it is tough. It is tough to ask people to pay more um, in tough times. But this transition is, is what we're going through, will cost us. now. That's my hopes for this year, that we'll get on with stuff. And our first Net Hero podcast chat of 2022 is about standards. And it's going to be very important because as we do move towards a new world, we'll have new standards for everything. And I caught up with Sebastian Van Dort from the BSI, which sets the standards in this country. And I asked him about what standards we may face and where we will go to make sure that as we transition, people aren't left behind just because of their social status or their financial means. So it's a really good conversation. Have a listen. Today, I want to talk to you about being good. Yes, having the right standards. It's one of those things that we really sort of take for granted from everything from kind of the food we eat, uh, the rail railway lines that we travel on, the air we breathe, there are standards for everything that we have in society, but they're all going to have to change as we transition into this net zero world. So, Seb, hi, welcome, and, and thanks for joining us on this podcast. Can you explain what BSI does? Because I think a lot of people will know BSI and the little logo of the kind of folded B, but, but what, what does it do? Yeah, so it's interesting that there's a sort of few parts of BSI. I work for
1: the National Standards Body, and we are the National Standards Body of the UK, Interestingly, we uh, we were the first national standards body in in the world. Uh, we were formed in 1901, and and we we're a royal charter company and and not for profit, which means we operate a little bit like uh, like the BBC. But as the national standards body, we develop voluntary consensus-based standards, and then we uh, have a catalogue of standards, about 37,000, and uh, we represent UK uh, interest into the international standards making process. So that's ISO, SEN and, and, and Senelec. And then we maintain that whole infrastructure of, of creating standards and put the UK voice into that
0: international space of, of standards making what what is a standard and how did they come about can you take us back give us a little history lesson i was like about a history so obviously <laughs> you know you know people did their own things in villages and towns for centuries but sort of in the 19th century things started to change didn't it was it the industrial revolution that you thought perhaps maybe sort of created this need for some sort of uniformity
1: yeah it's interesting i've been with the bsi for sort of two years and i'm not you know the best historian on the standards but it, it is interesting what once I sort of joined the BSI I sort of saw this whole world of standardization which genuinely I hadn't seen before and that's probably how you want standards to operate right at, at this yeah, of the yeah. invisible level you yeah. don't want to see them but you know if you think about anything that you that you do if you sort of go into a laptop and you plug in your USB cable or you know your phone charger a lot of those are sort of standardized it allows for that uptake and standards sort of operate sort of often at that sort of invisible level you've got a number of different standards essentially we create voluntary based standards and the standards could be anything from you know a particular specification a code of practice a test method a guide, even a vocabulary, or or even processes and frameworks, and obviously a, a famous one is the quality uh, management uh, system of ISO 9001. Yes, I think originally it came back from the tram tracks, if I'm not mistaken, when they were sort of making trams and realised actually we need to standardise all of this to roll
0: this out. Yes, it's it's always trains or track uh, trams, isn't it? It's always from that sort of thing.
1: Yes, but, but but it does provide a good analogy when we're talking to energy because, obviously, the whole energy infrastructure, if you, I think somebody once gave me the quote to say, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, you know, go together, and, and that's sort of what, what standards do, that they provide, you know, if you start standardising, you know, um, emerging technologies, say, then you can really sort of build that out. And, and, again, if we look at very innovative areas, let's say, you know, back, back in the day when the web, uh, started to um, to be established. There were a lot of protocols like HTTPS, and mm. you know, we, we use CSS. And so even those completely agile areas still required standardization to, to have that sort of mass take up and, and, and the benefits of, of emerging technologies. And then that's really where we see standards sort of coming in, you know, in, in a net zero perspective. We really feel that, that standards can sort of support and, and enable that that
0: transition to to a net zero grid. You said something very interesting there, that our standards are mandatory. So if I'm going to set something up, I have an electrical standard and I have a safety standards there. Yep. I might have, we've got loads of rules as an employer that we have. So in terms of what you're talking about, do standards generally start as, hey, guys, let's all get together and do something that we agree on doing? Or are they nearly always part of legislation? So they become rules. You must do this to comply. Yep
1: this is always the sort of interesting sort of conversation that, that, that we get into sort of sort of quite quite quickly what is regulation what is standards uh, so you have got regulations and if you sort of think from energy you know plugs and sockets to have you know specific regulations yeah uh, a, a lot of where where we sort of come in is, is at that level where industry sees a need for a standard now uh, what could happen is that regulations can reference those standards so again uh, and uh, you know I, I use your website a lot and particularly when I work in the sort of energy space. And I work in the eco Green Deal space, if you like. And in those areas, in order for you to retrofit a home to make it compliant, you have to comply with, with a standard called PASS 2030. So again, the, the sort of off-gem will, will sort of say if you install this and, and, uh, and you get your eco credits as an energy uh, supplier, you have to comply with PASS 2030. So a lot of times it's us bringing the experts together who say there's a need for a standard here. But then yes. oftentimes they can be either referenced in, in regulation or they become part of technical regulation.
0: Uh, understood. So, so generally they are a need from an industry to create some sort of uniformity and some level playing field. But often they become basically the legal standard. That's what happens to them. Well, it, it depends on, it. again, it's, it's not like often that they it become, it, it really depends
1: on, and obviously regulation, sort of regulation, but, but again, that can be underpinned by, by standards that, that
0: we create, if, if, if that makes, uh, makes any sense. Understood. So let's look at what BSI does, and 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 I think it's still called. Is it still called the British Standards Institute? Is that still full full name? Yeah, it's
1: the British Standards Institution, which. Uh, oh, um, institution. I, 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 I've been, I've been, no, no, I've been um, I've been making that mistake myself. <laughs> so, uh...
0: so in terms of where we are, and and this is the other thing that, uh, you know, before we talk about the net zero, just looking back, you know, this country has always been kind of uh, at the forefront, perhaps because it was. Kind of at the forefront of a lot of things in the industrial revolution, for these kind of let's create a standard that we all supply and 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 go to. Of course, the, the, then then we had the metric system in France, and there was a bit of a, a tiff taff about what we use in in terms of measuring distance, but. In essence, would you say that the UK is still seen? You said, "Oh, you know, we contributed these international bodies; we were the first to create these things." Is it still seen as a, a fairly sort of, you know, quite a strong leader in in, in setting standards? Uh, our country,
1: yeah. So it, it 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 is, because of you know some of those sort of trends that, that you've sort of managed. I mean, obviously, all mentioned. Um, Obviously ISO is, is the international uh, yes. sort of standards organisation and, and, and the UK has a strong voice in that and, and obviously has always been a big proponent of, of, of standardisation. But I mean, it is very much, at the international stage, it is a collective effort. But I do believe that, that we manage, you know, one of the largest sort of um, committees here or number of committees that sort of feed into ISO. And, and yes, I mean, as a country, we, we recognise the importance of standards uh, very much so.
0: Where are we? we're changing our world all right and someone uh uh, said to me just very recently like this is no wonder there's a lot of pain because this is a fundamental shift of probably 200 odd years of the way society has worked you know we've been burning stuff frankly and we've been digging it up and we've been burning it and we will be digging up other things uh you know let's not say that we're going to be all clean and green because we'll be digging up uh things like lithium and nickel and cadmium for things that we need in our batteries and, and, and our new kind of electron, uh, electrolyzed electronic world that we're going to. Um, do you see the role of standards going to be really important? Because there's a lot of things we're going to do, which a haven't been in, been invented yet, mm-hmm. but B are a real shift from the way we've done things. So for example, a, a thing that just came to mind, I've just got an EV right now. I, I, I'll go to my mechanic with my car and he'll fix it and he's got things and I'll have an MOT. Well, these will need a different set of standards how they function because they're all, there's nothing moving. There's just batteries and things like that, but there might be the health of their battery cells or things like that. So do you see that actually for us to get to net zero, A, industry will have to start getting together and say, right, how do we standardize things? And B, what you mentioned earlier, we will start to get more new legislation that applies to this world. Yes, I, I
1: don't know if you want to sort of uh, start working for the BSI I assume, but but that's a very, <laughs> that's a very good
0: I got a day job, thanks. Mate.
1: <laughs> that, that, that's a very good sort of summary, and, and that's pretty much what I've been saying since, since I joined sort of two years ago. I sort of looked at this, and then you know again. I, you know relatively new to standards when I joined obviously been sort of in, in this energy sector but as I started looking into this I was like wow you, you actually can't make this transition without sort of standards you know that, that was sort of my, my view that we just be clear on that and so we started talking to government and and then we sort of had, had that sort of um, sort of message and, and and that sort of drumbeat sort of got, got you know got, got sort of taken up to say actually we, we recognize that we are in in the state of transition, and you know, if, if I give the energy transition as an example, we, we've got a sort of analog grid with, um, with, with very much centralized generation, uh, um, you know, you, you know providing the, the sort of energy, and then you've got, you know, your transmission companies pumping that across the country, and your distribution companies taking it over in different regions, and and then your energy supply, and you know, that's essentially a sort of value chain, if, if you like, in a super high level view. But we're going to completely, obviously, change that, and when we know, you know, the three Ds, digitization um you know decentralization decarbonization but it means that we're actually replacing that system as it's still running with a completely new system of you know different sources of energy um you know different ways of managing that system right so we're going from you know the network operator become system operator they will have to start balancing you know the loads and provide flexibility by you know um you know your your ev that you've talked about not Going, you know, you're home at five o'clock, not going onto the grid, but might use the power in your car and then it talks to the grid. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you're talking about the balancing and the the flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And and so when when you get all
1: of that together, you you get to sort of system. But but what you forget is that all of these parts of the system will have to start talking to one another, right? And and actually, how do you make sure they talk to one another? Well, you have the standards and protocols in place to make sure that you know, all of these, you know, at the moment we've got hundreds, you know, a few hundred. Um, you know players in the market this is going to sort of transform to hundreds of millions of assets all talking to one another and you need the sort of protocols and systems in place to to make sure that that happens and and that's really you know without standards you know you, you won't get that basically so for us that that is sort of the big sort of part to say well actually the transition to sort of net zero standards are absolutely essential and where do we place bsi in the standards making process to make sure that we enable and hopefully accelerate some of this and you know think ahead on on where do we need standards to to make this happen really
0: what what do you see the 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 big you know you obviously you're looking at it already and you're as you said you're talking to industry what do you see are the big areas i mean let's break down what we what we look at already in in society now um obviously the the energy sector has got a raft of standards it's already applying itself to but Mm -hmm. we're going to have as i said evs we're going to have, for example, peer-to-peer trading. We're going to have yep. more. I hate the phrase, but IoT, Internet of Things. Uh, we're going to have um, new systems for heat, like heat pumps, and all of this stuff. Things, te- weird technologies that you know we haven't really thought about. That you know we suddenly stop using the gas in our boiler and we move to a different mix of gas, and all of those things. W- what would you say if you were to just? You know, break it down. What would be the major, main major areas of change that BSI is already looking at and thinking? This is good. some things will take longer, obviously, but these are the things that are going to come quite quickly.
1: Yeah. So I, I obviously was sort of responsible for setting our sort of sector strategy, and and, and I obviously look at sort of three areas, and um, you know, sustainability and, and energy specifically, and, and and now also sort of food. But but you know, particularly for the last sort of you know eighteen months, I focused specifically on. On energy, I, I think one of the things for me w- was that I didn't want to sort of, for want of a better word, place bet on what is it going to be. Because actually, for me, you know, the energy trilemma, you know, yeah, with, yeah. And, and and I think you know that the whole energy trilemma has played out with the energy security question sort well, of cool. looming, looming highly over COP. And and you know, if you go back a few months in July, that question wasn't there, and all of a sudden in. october november we're talking about energy security because of of the sort of issues there and so for me the transition to net zero you know there will be quite a few sort of twists and turns there's a lot of big questions that that we we still have to answer so uh, big question is to how do we decarbonize heat well are we going to use hydrogen and green hydrogen or are we going to electrify and you know those questions aren't entirely clear right like there's a lot of camps that say it's going to be a or b and it's going to be heat pumps it's going to be um hydrogen boilers but there are there isn't a clear answer. And, and so for me, you know, we we again are not the experts, right? So what we do as a national standards body, we convene all the experts and, and, and wider societal stakeholders to, to come up with sort of you know the standards needs. So for us, it, it's sort of key to be led by by industry and and government. And so for me, that there's a big sort of focus on on government policies, net zero strategy, 10-point plan. And and they lay out a roadmap on, on where we then support. And, and so what we tend to do is we then move into those strategic areas and convene all the stakeholders and, and let the sort of stakeholders and the market and, and government say, where do we play that role? And, you know, as we sort of go through this decade, it will start to become clear if, you know, hydrogen might be the answer or if um um you know electrification might be the answer but yeah you know, and but- I,
0: I i get that because like you know we, we talk to for example uk power networks right so and they they're trying to everyone's trying to second guess you know will we get a massive uptake of evs or won't we will we have lots more um people going All right i'm gonna have a, a heat pump when my boiler gets knackered next time around so yes I get, I get that but you must be having to have conversations now because for example boilermakers are going to have to have boilers that are perhaps dual fuel, you know, with more hydrogen yep. in them. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, you're going to have people trying to make heat pumps, but maybe from different different setups that than, than they currently are now. So what, what do you do? Are you, you know, are you trying to just go, right, these are the big areas we think, I'm going to go and talk to the manufacturers, I'm going to talk to the installers, the suppliers. How would you go about... If you can tell our listeners, how would you go about going right? How would we create a standard, for example, for, 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 a, for a heat pump of the future?
1: Yes. Okay. So, I mean, that is quite interesting. So, for me, uh, we have sort of three. So, and again, the, the sort of whole thing with BSI is that it's very broadly focused. And even the energy sector, we look at anything from... You know, uh, um, you know, hydrogen to flexibility to emerging technologies like the application of blockchain and AI, all the way through to low-carbon aviation fuels and, and and fuels for shipping. So it, it is sort of quite expansive. So I, I sort of put three core or, or three strategic pillars in place, which is you know, what do we need to do to support and enable the energy systems transition to net zero, and and that's obviously a sort of very wide sort of focus. We, we then have building the standards and frameworks to allow for you know, flexibility and making sure that the um, grid is interoperable and, and secure, and then finally is supporting and accelerating innovation in uh, in energy. And obviously, there are the sort of very big topics. So if we say the transition to net zero, we look at the hydrogen transformation, what is the role of carbon capture and storage and, and standards? How do we support the decarbonisation of transport and, and, and what are the sort of standards that we need there? If we look at decarbonisation of heat, which includes your sort of heat pumps, what are the standards needed there and, and, and what do we need? And then you know you look at onshore, offshore wind, what, what do we need to do um, in, in those areas? And again, we often build those wider strategic programs. So rather than looking at one specific thing, say what's the standard for a heat pump, it looks at the sort of wider strategic views. What do we need to decarbonize heat and, and what are the key sort of standards there? and then we also look at the innovation areas you know low carbon technologies the application of digital technologies and new business models as you know the wider innovation in energy and then what is the role in standards and what we tend to do then is we we tend to sort of look at sort of what are the policy outcomes and build strategic programs of work around sort of key areas and i can give you a couple of a uh, couple of examples we uh, recently concluded our energy smart appliances program of works where we work with Bayes and, and, and OSEF and, and industry to uh, classify um, what, how do you class an energy smart appliance, which includes EV charge points, and then how does uh, that interact uh, with demand site response? And so we created a standard we which sets the framework for demand site response. And essentially what that allows to do is it allows sort of for that vehicle to grid and other um, appliances to become smart and to be able to start talking to, um, to the grid. The other area that we looked at was, uh, you know, we worked with the um, Faraday Battery Challenge, where we developed fast-track standards for, you know, the health, safety, and environmental considerations in battery manufacturing. Again, we brought all the stakeholders together, and, and you know, with, this was with uh, with UKRI, and and they sort of told us, you know, where are some gaps and where should we look at? Again, hydrogen, same thing. We we sort of sit, uh, you know, we engage very uh, closely with industry on hydrogen. We've got a lot of committees. Yeah. I mean, like,
0: sorry, yeah, to interrupt on that. On that hydrogen, yeah, Hydrogen just created this Hydrogen UK sort of trade body, isn't it? So is yeah. that the sort of people that you'd start to interact with? and say, Yes,
1: um, ironically, that, that one is, is sort of on, on the list. But we, we've, we uh, you know, we sit on the Hydrogen Advisory Council, the Hydrogen Programme Development Group, which I think has been renamed. We, we, we are part of. The network operators, gas goes green. Uh, you know, stakeholder group. That one. Uh, you know, we, we've been invited on quite a few more, but that one is is just on my list to sort of have a look at. And so we sit on there and feed in the need for standards, and it understands for us where where sort of the gaps are. And we've got a number of, of strategic programs that looks looks at standardisation in hydrogen again, where we work very much with um, with uh, industry and, and, and government to sort of look at what is needed there. And at the moment we're with. Uh, um creating three uh, three standards for the uh, hi- in support of the hydrogen heating trials so a- again it is sort of looking at that sort of uh, bigger picture to say what do we need and unfortunately in, in energy there's a lot to look at but then really taking that sort of strategic view to say how do we bring all the stakeholders together and where do we sort of best um play that supporting role and really have sort of industry and the experts tell us where um, we as yes, the
0: national standards body um you know play the most supporting role really why should we care as consumers that you're doing all this what why does it matter to us in the in the future you know as we're building up to this new world what what what, what are you doing that makes us feel more comfortable well so i think that there's a, there's quite a few
1: sort of things there obviously you know uh Standards allow, you know, like there's a lot of change, and so um, with with that change, obviously standardisation and 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 looking at that provides a lot of uh, security and peace of mind, right? If we look at the energy smart appliances, we look at a number of sort of things, including cybersecurity and data privacy, right? do have that as consumers is obviously very important, and you know if you then um, yeah yeah look and you know it's it's safe and secure, so so that's one. I think one of the things that that I sort of always like to point out that we do as the national standards body is, you've got a number of, uh, you know, you have private and professional sort of standards, uh, you know, where, where the, you know you have, uh, you know, consortia looking at specific corporate technical specifications and, and professional codes. But a lot of the time, that, that's you know an organisation or a number of organisations looking at a specific issue, and and you know you generally get a number of sort of those experts. But what you get with the national standards body is that you know the, the standards are much broader right so we uh, bring a wide variety of stakeholders on board so that includes uh, you know industry regulator government but it also includes consumer interest uh, groups like um citizens um, advice and, and which etc that, that can feedback we then also have uh, a number of rounds of public consultation and so the wider public is able to feedback on uh, those standards and 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 that, and only then do we sort of publish that that sort of final standard now what that means is that those standards have wider societal buy-in if if you like and i think that will become very important if we look at you know what is the cost of net zero how do we make sure it's a just transition and and, and we don't penalize those least able to to pay for this because at the end of the day you know this change is going to cost uh, yeah you know, and, UK and, taxpayer,
0: taxpayer and, and they need to feed into that process really that is the big one isn't it that yes. as we change How do we make sure it's fair? Because there's this element that, you know, net zero is just for the rich, right? So I'm gonna be brutally honest, right? I wouldn't be able to have got an EV if I hadn't moved earlier this year to a house with a drive. For the last 25 years, I've lived in a flat in, in London, on street parking, no chance of getting an EV, right? It's only because I've I've now got the ability to have a little driveway, I can park my car and and have my charging point. You know, we're going to find this stuff here people are talking about. How do we make sure that someone in a, you know, a 15th floor council flat in in Dagenham and someone living in a lovely muse house in Harrogate, they're all getting a chance to have an equal share in this decarbonisation journey and how we we make it. You know accessible is that something you think you know you bsi can play a role in yes yeah and, and
1: you know i think the way our, our you know the standards creation process you know and, and the way we do that with the public consultation yes absolutely and then i would take it even a step further because you know it's it, it, you know it's not just people with, with drives etc like you know you look at vulnerable customers how do you make sure that you know once we get a you know smart appliance to store it how do you make sure what yeah. customers can benefit from that you know the, the bigger question is you know um, i've worked in, in fuel poverty alleviation schemes for energy suppliers right like eco green deal and, and at the start of that you know there, there was always a question you know do those least able to afford it have to pay disproportionately because obviously yes. they're stopping to sort of pay their bills that's mm-hmm. going to be an even bigger question when you look at At sort of net zero so taking all of that into sort of consideration and and taking all that into consideration with with some of the standards making process how does this impact vulnerable customers yeah it's going to be much more important really so and and that's why i think as a national standards body with that sort of due diligence and that process that we do it's it's where i really think um you know we 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 have a we have a place really but you know and again it's it's a concerted effort right It's, it's it's you know it's not just a standards body standards are a component part of this sort of wider societal
0: transition really Before we end, looking at where we are, um, people keep saying, you know, we're in 2022, you know, the eight years from all this big change, right, everyone says 2030, we have to do a lot of heavy lifting. I don't know, a resourcing question. Are you ready? You know, could BSI come up with lots of standards? Can the ISO work out lots of standards globally? So we're all shifting because that's what COP's about. You know, it's no good us doing one thing, someone else doing something else at a completely different level. So do you think that we, um, you know, United uh, can start to create global standards that help us all shift uh, in, in this pathway towards the 1.5 degrees? Well, yeah,
1: A... um tremendously excited about this i think there's, there's a big role L- let's be fair if we look at international standards making you know you, you have to have consensus in 166 con- 165 countries i think um, um that, that, any, that is not easy no so i think there's an opportunity there right like if you look at sort of some of the environmental standards from from iso we have got that sort of wider um um consensus I- internationally and, and, you, know, you don't get that in you know it's quite harder to sort of get that so so that that's really the power of that system i do think where we have a sort of massive opportunity here in the uk is is to say actually we've got fast track mechanisms for creating standards and and that's why we create those strategic areas where we create standards to say actually where are the sort of global gaps that, that we see that standards are needed and we can have fast track some of those standards here in those innovative areas and and what we can then do is, is use that as a sort of way to internationalize the standards that we've created here and sort of move faster in in areas of, of, of greater importance right and you know then take sort of that that sort of global leadership in in those sort of very exciting areas so for me that that's essentially the sort of thing that, that I'm sort of focused on heavily on on, on how do we do that and that's a very sort of exciting piece but yeah there is a lot a lot to do and uh, yeah I think we're we're sort of ready for it but yes the change is going to Um, sort of increase exponentially uh, over the next few years, really.
0: You do do seem excited by it, which is good. I like to say that. Someone who goes, right, I'm up for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it it is an exciting challenge. But, you know, like, you
1: know, you're getting me started now. I I, I somehow don't think that even people that are close to this don't realise how big the change is. And, you know, you mentioned 2030, you mentioned your EV. We're going to ban combustion engines by 2030. Yeah. Uh, right. I think, you know, from the top of my head, we've got somewhere between 75 and 100,000 electric vehicles on the road. You know, I'm like, no, 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 sorry, I've got that wrong, it's 300,000. Yeah, yeah, it's, about, right.
0: it, yeah it's, it's less than half a million anyway, and they're predicting in London alone, they'll have 2 million within the next five years.
1: Well, right? so, so this is it, right? We sell um, 2 million new cars a year. Now, I might have those figures slightly wrong, but they, they, they are sort of the rough figures, right? So you'd imagine if we get sort of anywhere close to 2030, you know, not many people will buy combustion engines, I'd imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, by, you know, in in four or five years, we'd probably start looking at 2 million new
0: EVs on the road, right? And that's 2 million batteries. That's 2 million ways of balancing. Exactly. Yeah, that sort of stuff, isn't it? That's that's the weirdest thing. Your car is no longer your car. Your car's part of your energy system. Yes, and, and that's just one tiny part
1: in, in, in this sort of wider ecosystem, right? So, hey, that, that's, you know exciting and, and slightly terrifying at the same time <laughs> you know but, 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 but and that's just one tiny part so i just think that this whole you know the, the change will, will, will become you know very rapid very quickly uh
0: sebastian van dort there from the bsi and you know we're working on our carbon triple a you'll see it on futurenetzero.com if you look for Future Net Zero standard we're trying to create a standard ourselves which is i'm really glad to say been taken up by more than 100 uh, organizations. If you want to get involved, go to slash standard and have a look at that. Uh, we'll be exploring many new themes over the next few months, and there are some interesting ones coming up. So keep subscribing, keep listening in, tell your friends and your colleagues about the Net Hero podcast. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you next week. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Futurenet Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com Better business, better planet.